Paris syndrome. Uh, sounds like a coronavirus variant, but is actually a sense of disappointment exhibited by individuals when they visit Paris. Uh, welcome to episode seven of Wikipedia articles that should be movies. Uh, my guest today is Kira O'Shea. I got to bring her on in a couple minutes uh, so we can discuss Paris syndrome. As you know, in this podcast, we look at weird, wacky, strange, funny, alarming, maybe sometimes articles on Wikipedia that we think should be turned into movies and discuss how that might happen. So what is Paris syndrome? Uh, according to Wikipedia article, it is a sense of disappointment exhibited by some individuals when visiting Paris who feel that the city was not what they had expected. Now, this doesn't sound all that strange. A lot of tourists experience disappointment when they get somewhere. What is, I think, particularly different about Paris syndrome uh, is that it has many, uh, not just psychiatric symptoms, uh, but also psychosomatic uh, manifestations as well. So people who uh, are said to be suffering from Paris syndrome experience things like uh, delusional states, hallucinations, feelings of persecution, uh, derealization, depersonalization, uh, as well as, you know, physical manifestations like dizziness, uh, sweating and vomiting. It notes that the syndrome has been particularly noted among Japanese tourists. Uh, it has also affected other travelers or temporary residents from Eastern Asia, such as those from China, Singapore, and South Korea. Uh, first gets sort of mentioned, talked about, uh, in the eighties, um, a uh, man named uh, Haraki Ota, a Japanese psychiatrist working in France, publishes a book about it. Um, since then, uh, more studies of it. Uh, it it sounds, I think to me, when I first read about this, I remember reading this Wikipedia article a while ago. Um, it didn't sound real, like it didn't sound, but uh, it seems to have some uh, medical backup in terms of the amount that's been studied. Um it's noted, uh, it says, uh, the BBC reported in 2007 that the Japanese embassy in Paris had a 21-hour hotline for those suffering from severe culture shock upon visiting Paris. Uh, the Japanese embassy disputes that, but I think it does show uh, the prevalence of this disease, or maybe perhaps it shows the prevalence or the concern about this disease, which perhaps is overinflated. Um it notes uh, in the article uh, that 1.1 million tourists visit uh, Paris just from Japan on an annual basis. Uh, the number of cases among those 1.1 million is, is noted to be uh, pretty small. Um, there are two types of afflictions uh, basically separated into cases of those with the previous history of psychiatric problems and those without a history uh, who exhibit uh, delayed expression of, of uh, Paris syndrome, this cultural shock and, and just overwhelming feel of disappointment that you get when you arrive in the City of Lights. Um, yeah, it's noted as well. It's been, it, again, it's been noted in uh, not just Japanese travelers, that's sort of where, where it started in terms of being studied. Uh, it's been noticed, particularly a lot of uh, Chinese travelers to Paris every year, it's been noted here as well. Uh, different reasons given uh, for why why it might come about and why it's particular to Paris. Uh, again, the idea of travel tourism disappointment isn't isn't new, but what why does Paris get its own uh, syndrome? 
So that's the general idea. Uh, I'm going to bring on my guest, uh, Kira O'Shea now. Uh, Kira is another, the third alumni of the College of Humanities at Carleton University to join this podcast after uh, Ashley Denny on episode one and Nathan Coles, I think it was episode four. Uh, so big shoes to fill or big standards to meet, I suppose, for, for Kira. Uh Kira, why I should and I'm ha- I should note I'm happy we're talking about this one. This is like the first sort of non-history specific one I think we're talking about or non-incident specific. So, Kira, welcome. Uh, what are your I guess initial thoughts on Paris syndrome? My first question for you, Uh-oh. actually, have you been to Paris? I have been to Paris, uh, and this is actually very timely. Um, I was last in Paris around, I think it was the year 2000. Uh, I was about 13. I was in grade seven at the time. Uh, we did a school trip to Paris, which was pretty nice. Um, but I haven't been since, but I was supposed to be there, uh, in in January, uh, but canceled my trip due to, uh, the Omicron variant. So, uh, this was, this is a very, I'm experienced like a different kind of Paris syndrome where my January was pretty bleak because I had to cancel my trip to Paris. Have you? (laughs) I'm so sorry that you had to cancel your trip. So I have been to Paris many times Ah. um, because um, I'm just very fancy. No, uh, I went once around, I think around the same time you did uh, as a family trip, as an add-on to a family trip. I went, when I lived in Scotland for a year, uh, it was a very easy place to fly into Canada from. So I flew in and out through there. Um, and it was also pretty cheap with things like EasyJet and Ryanair to fly in for a few days. Uh, it's a really cheap flight from Montreal uh, because of how many people from France live. Right, in, right. In regular so, flights. Yeah, regular flights. So I've had to go, I've gone on trips to Europe, and it made the most sense to fly into Paris, just be there for like a day or two, and then take the train or rent a car to go somewhere else. So I've been many times so what and yeah what's your experience been have you ever suffered from Paris syndrome um so when I first went I had uh I was a child so it was wonderful uh I I don't know what I had expected but it I found it really enjoyable I loved seeing Notre Dame Sacre Coeur I I loved it and then on later trips it became uh you saw more you're like oh there is a lot of garbage on the streets here people are very rude um i in 2007 i met a quebecois couple who was staying at the same hostel as me who said that people would switch to english when they spoke french to them as like a very like snobby your french is not good enough for us Um, right right there's a lot of snobbery um and then my last time in paris i ended up i was there um a week before I ended up breaking up with someone. And so, and that was with the a, person, with the person, like I Oof. broke up with them a week later. Um, and that time Paris felt really um, overwhelming. The, like mm. there were so many tourist things. There were so many people trying to sell you stuff. It was very dirty, um, but it just felt very overwhelming um in a way that it hadn't in the past now I can't blame this all I'm going to blame it all on the breakup but that's it it was coming I could feel the energy whatever um but then when I got back to Canada was moving into a new apartment trying to find like 
art for my apartment, tea towels, everything, everything was like little Eiffel towels and towel towers. Right. And right. Like, Paris Chatem. And I was just like, no, I don't want any of this Paris right, trash. Right. This is the worst. So yeah, you yeah. had like super delayed onset. <laughs> like Paris syndrome. No, I think I, I have a very realistic perception of Paris. I right, right. I see all of the, I see all of the like Chotskis and how it's being sold. Yeah, I and think too. Yeah, like I, I, I didn't note that in the intro that I should have. That some of the reasons people have suggested, and I, you kind of hit on a couple of them, are again, obviously having this sort of idealized version and then being confronted with things like overcrowding, uh, litter, and again, especially compared and contrast uh, with with large Japanese cities, uh, for example, and, and the less than welcoming attitude uh, from Parisians that they meet uh, are some of the reasons that, that people suggest that this disappointment sets in. And I, I think that it's a very legitimate disappointment. Um, if you look back at when the when the syndrome start, first started being recognized, it was the 1980s. Japan was being big in business at the time, so probably mm. a lot of people were traveling um, to France for business, pleasure. Like it would, traveling was just becoming more of a thing. Uh, so I could see that a lot of more people were having opportunities to have the experience that was unlike right. the films unlike everything i wonder though like i like i'm i'm kind of curious as to like why it's unique to paris other than like of course paris are arguably the most famous city in the world and 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 one of the most depicted i certainly understand that but but you know why is it so different than maybe london uh, or New York or, you know, or Tokyo or something like this. These are places where a lot of people visit. And then also, why do you not see it among North Americans or, or West or, or other Europeans, right? Like, and maybe you do on a smaller scale, but, but certainly the most part when you're talking about Paris syndrome, you're talking about people traveling from East Asia. So like, there's something particular about how it's being either marketed there or how it's presented in those countries, perhaps, or maybe we just have more, experience with Europe or more connection, like cross-cultural connection with it, that we don't have the same expectations? I think there's a, a few different factors. So I would say probably it is just major culture shock in terms of difference between how people are, like how staff are treated in stores. Like you would be much more polite to your, to someone who comes to your store, someone who comes to your restaurant uh, and there, that's not necessarily a thing in Paris. Um, I think another thing would be language issues. A, a lot of North Americans speak uh, English and a lot of Parisians don't like to, but they will speak English too. But if you don't speak that much English um, and if you don't speak French, then there's more chances for there to be sort of a, a, a isolate, feelings of isolation. Yeah, and that like, yeah, like I... I went to Japan when I was 18. I did like kind of the reverse. And I felt like it was very overwhelming. Just stand, like that sort of culture shock. And and we it was an exchange program. So I'd had two Japanese students here and we'd obviously done preparation things for that. But it was it was pretty overwhelming. Just like even just sight, sound, smells, tastes. It's a whole different. But I was and I think more than anything, I was homesick. And because you're 18, I mean, that's I mean, it's not old, but um 
So I was, I was homesick and did feel like, I would say now thinking back, like some physical, like psychosomatic feelings of like kind of being overwhelmed or something like that. But I, I like, I think that's different a little bit than what they're, I don't know, than what they're talking about in terms of, uh, in terms of Paris syndrome, I think. Well, so there's a few other places that have the similar syndrome. So Jerusalem has a Jerusalem syndrome, which has similar issues, um, except people are more likely to have a sort of religious paranoia, a religious, um, I'm a religious figure sort of thing. So it doesn't happen just in Paris. It's, there's a Jerusalem syndrome. Right. But also, I'm going to say this because I did look at the study that this was based on. And they did mention that uh, of the 65 people who had been hospitalized between uh, 1988 and 2003, um, of those 65 people, 49 people uh, did have come out, end up coming out with the diagnosis of uh, a schizoaffective disorder or a similar. So I am going to say also that it just might have been a weird case study of people with mental health issues, unfortunately, who had a moment and then it became a syndrome that sounds cool right um, yeah I'm like it, <laughs> right yeah they're, they're yeah it's, that's a pretty small sample size in in the grand scheme of things which i and I, like i think that number is amazing that <laughs> 1.1 million people from just from japan travel just to uh paris every year and to put that into context like 20 around 22 million people come to canada every year from all over the world to any part of Canada. So this is one in one over a million people just from one country to one city every year is, is pretty incredible. I think I was read I was reading around and I, someone was saying that um, in Japan specifically, I don't know for the other countries, uh, France is seen as a space of um, these wonderful aesthetics, but also uh, liberty, freedom, uh, different a different sort of a, completely not completely different but a, a different cultural mindset than their culture so that's sort of appreciated uh as like this is a country that was for freedom this is a country that is for beauty um so it might get very idealized for those reasons uh yeah and and maybe like i don't know I, I again the last time i was there was I was 13. I certainly didn't have like huge expectations of it. I'd been to London three years before that. So I had like a vague idea of Europe, like London's like Europe light or something, right? Like it's different, but it's not that different. But everyone's speaking English for the most part and stuff like that. So like, I, but at, even at that age, I don't think I had, I mean, I, I was 13, I was an idiot. And like, I don't think I had like these huge expectations for it. Like I was like, this will be fun to go to this other place. Um, but and actually my trip started in like the worst imaginable way and this was like pre so this is like just before 9-11 where like traveling was really easy like you just walk on and off a plane and you, you know all the, those were the days yeah if you can remember those crazy times where uh speaking of liberty but they um <laughs> I, I as a stupid 13 year old i like left my passport in the the front of my seats and I got off the plane without it. And then I couldn't get into like the actual country. I had to like stay in the airport and the French police, the like gendarmerie or whatever, allegedly searched exactly where I said it was and didn't find it. So I had to spend a day with my French teacher traveling to the Canadian embassy to get these walking papers, uh, 
which was not a good experience. And everyone on the trip was, was pretty upset with me, particularly that teacher. And then sure enough, they found the passport and uh, exactly where I said it was and, um, and mailed it back to Canada. So anyway, my first experience in France was not a positive one. I don't think that counts as Ferris syndrome, but I'll say I was disappointed, particularly in the French police uh, and maybe a little bit myself. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, yeah, no physical manifestation. So I guess I escaped maybe Paris syndrome. I think one of the things for me the last time I was in Paris was that I had just been in some other cities that are still very beautiful, European, um, have touristy things, but are not so tourist based. So I was in Luxembourg. Right. I was in Brussels. And so when I got to Paris, it was over, it felt more overwhelming than maybe any other time I visited. And I don't know if it was just that, but it, it was really, you're sort of like everywhere there's people. It's very, it's very dirty. Um, there is a, like a big gap in between the train, like the, the subway train and the, the, like the platform that you're like I might die as I cross over like there's like a lot of there's a lot of yeah, that yeah yeah um, that just doesn't feel great last one the time before that when I went um I was I speak French uh sort of I do speak French but my accent is mignon. it's very anglophone okay. um but I, I asked for the bill and I was like la facture s'il vous plaît and I got yelled at for five minutes because like, like I, I just it, it in Quebec it would have been fine to say la facture, but in France you have to say l'addition and I got yelled at. Um and I it was very early in the morning and I just got off a plane and I was like, really? Really? Well, I find it like it is funny, like I was thinking that in terms of it's very set around tourists, right? They get like 30 million tourists a year. And it's, it's like you said, it's uh, kind of kitschy and campy. Right. And, and, and like, it's, it's certainly, they know what they're doing there in terms of attracting tourists, selling stuff to tourists, things like that. Uh, but then on the other hand, like it's noted in this article, like people aren't very nice to tourists there. Like that. So like, and I think maybe the kitschiness, like I grew up next to Niagara Falls. So maybe like kitschiness just does not stand out to me. Like I'm just used to, yeah. When you go to a place, there's all these like rinky dinky little trinkets that they're trying to sell you. Uh, so maybe that didn't stand out to me, but even I could sort of tell, again, maybe I compare it, contrast it. When I went to Japan, I definitely, that um, they're very uh, homogenous in Japan. So I was like a very tall, redheaded white person. And Did I would say, you? Oh yeah. People came up to me. People were rude to me. Like people stared at me. Like it was the most uh, awkward I've ever been made to feel. And redheads generally are made to feel awkward. Like it's not, I never felt <laughs> comfortable. I don't, still don't feel comfortable with my own skin. Like, so like, but I felt like it was, it was a, a very strange experience. And so maybe like comparing to when I go to Europe and Paris specifically, like I've never felt that like a fish out of water or that like people are being rude to me. Uh, but if I hadn't had that experience in Japan, maybe I would think about um, like, think back to my time in Paris. Like, yeah. People were a little rude considering like you want tourists. Like maybe that's the divide between like the, you know, the minimum wage workers at the bar and like the minister of tourism who wants to bring in, um, I think they don't want tourists. 
Or maybe they think part of the appeal of coming to Paris is having someone talk to you a bit rudely. Like maybe that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, they, they like, think they're like, oh, I've given you the gift. I've given you the yeah. gift of the true Parisian I, experience. I mean, I can like, again, like all I can really speak to is my own experience. I worked at a restaurant in Niagara Falls. I found tourists annoying. Like, you know, what I, like, I, it's just, there's no, it's, it's, I don't know, it's more work, you know what I mean, whether it's a language barrier, or otherwise, or there's just more questions or whatever. Uh, so it's not that's painting with a pretty broad stroke. But uh, so I kind of get it. I wonder if they're like, you know, how in Canada, there's this feeling that everyone kind of hates Toronto. And like maybe people get like Toronto syndrome in terms of like moving to the big city and it isn't what they thought it was going to be. Uh, like, I wonder within France what that's like, because I would imagine if you move to France, which I got to think a lot of people within France do as they grow up kind of thing, like you would know what you're moving into. It's different than maybe if you were born and raised like and tourists are around all the time. They're annoying you and, and things like that. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean. So I know a lot of French people because they moved to Canada. Um, there, it's a, a huge amount of a huge population moved to Montreal, especially to the extent that um, sections of Le Pateau get called like Little France. Um, mm. And uh, there is very much still like a kind of hostility between uh, people who come from France and are living in Quebec and Quebecois. There's often some like knocking of heads together mm. so uh and i don't i'm not i cannot understand all the reasoning behind behind this because i'm i'm not really french i'm not really quebecois um but i can imagine that people from let's say grenoble or brest or whatever coming into paris might start off very naive and then become more cynical and more Parisian as they are there. Right, uh, right. Maybe. It, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I I always think, like, I started thinking about this, one, because uh, I'd read this Wikipedia article within the last month, and I was supposed to be going to Paris, and I started thinking about, like, what are my expectations around being there? Like, how are the people going to treat you? And I wonder how much more common, like, less culture shock element of it, which is definitely part of Paris syndrome, but the like disappointment of it, which seems to be like the bigger part, like how much of that's going to be around in the post. Well, there's no, there's no post coronavirus world, I guess, like in the coronavirus world, because people are going to be traveling again for the first time in years, a lot of people. Right. And like your expectation, you're going to want so much out of that trip. Right. I think everyone's going to be disappointed by the first trip they take. Like, um, in in small ways they, yeah. in terms of like oh that restaurant wasn't as good as I expected um, but I can see for Paris it be it's just it's a city it's very much a working city lots of people who are there are not in any way involved in the tourist industry there it's a fashion capital it's um, it's a business capital within France so it's a lot of other things other than a tourist spot but for most of the world it's just a tourist spot so I can see that the people who live there might sort of be like this has been great well not great because of all the lockdowns but this has been kind of a relief to really just sort of right. wander around be like so cool and casual smoking their cigarettes not wearing right. berets you know living right. lives yeah, yeah. I feel like you're it's like a city for for 
Parisians or, or French people again, right? Maybe for yeah. a, like a brief experience of it. Um, okay, I do want to transition us to talking about what this would look like in a movie. But uh, the only other thing I noted from this Wikipedia article that I thought was amazing was they talk about this opposite syndrome at the end, this thing called Stendhal syndrome, which is older. Uh, it's been noted like for 120 years. And it's like this overwhelmingly positive experience of either tourism or being in, in the presence of something, a beautiful piece of art or uh, something from antiquity. And it was particularly noted around Florence and people seeing the statue of David for the first time or going to the Ephesi, uh, well, I can't even pronounce that, Ephesi Gallery. Oh, I just butchered that I one. Uh, yeah, but or like the beautiful churches or people who saw like the Colosseum in Rome, like things like this, right? And having similar syndrome, like uh, in terms of like, heart palpitations almost or dizziness like but from joy or beauty or something like this it's just like this it's a very funny thing to also exist like it's worth examining and thinking about but just as like this like positive opposite to Paris syndrome but I read into that article a little bit and but some people try to destroy the art during mm. like the mo their moments of ecstasy they're sort of like but I should destroy it um so I don't know if it's fully positive uh, in the same right, way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, maybe the outcome. Yeah, the outcomes are negative because it's it is a syndrome, and there's not a lot of good syndromes out there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, I guess it derives from like the opposite feeling or emotion or something. Uh, but that is a good tie to episode one where the guy destroyed the art, uh, where we talked about uh, <laughs> who's who's afraid of red, yellow, and blue, but destroyed it. Uh, definitely not out of joy. Uh, Okay, so yeah, how thinking about this as a movie, and it's funny you mentioned uh, Paris to Time. I kind of forgot that that was a movie that came out uh, 15 or 16 years ago. Uh, did you see that? Have you seen Paris to Time? Actually, I might have. I don't know. I saw the New York I Love You one. It's they, not. They, they made a New York I Love You and then they made a Paris to Time or whatever. Order. Yeah, yeah. I think the Paris one was first and then they made a New York one. And I think those two were pretty popular, but they've made two more that I'd never heard of. They made one about Rio and they made one about uh, Berlin. Uh, so they have like a series of these now. I saw Parachute Time. I didn't think it was very good. Like it's not, to me, it's not like that memorable. It's kind of neat. It's like the... Um, Simpsons episodes like the 23 short stories from Springfield it's like that it's like the short vignettes uh alleged I think they're trying to represent each arrondissement like the you know the, the so circular many of them. yeah so there's like 18 or 22 and that's, that's how many right. it's a lot of stories in one movie and a lot of like big name directors like the Coen brothers are in there uh, yeah and a few other ones and a lot of good actors but I I don't know. Maybe it can, I, I couldn't say what like the spirit or the feel of Paris is, but I think that's what they were like going for with this film. Maybe is that what New York? I love I didn't see that one. Is that what New York? I, I love you is like, I think so. It was like it wasn't that it wasn't as many as 22, I don't think. And it would but it was just sort of like short scenes of like the real New York and or how New York feels. It's so. It's just a really weird thing to make a movie so specific to that. Like there's so many movies set in New York, like that you could watch. And I think if they're good and like have artistic integrity, like Spike Lee movies, I think give me a pretty good sense of New York. Like I don't need a movie beating me over the head. Like this is what New York's like. I don't know. Like it's a strange premise for a film, I think. Yeah. I think maybe their tourism board supported it. I don't know. It, 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 yeah, 
I mean, if I was going to make a movie of Paris Syndrome, I would start it with sort of like an Amelie sort of feel. Mm, so mm. like this person is imagining what it will be like in Paris. And it's all sort of very, um, very color coded in like beautiful reds and greens and beautiful silhouettes and sort of imagining herself as this figure like Amelie like having an adventure falling in love it'll be so wonderful and just sort of the fantasy beforehand and then when they she gets to Paris I want it to be cut to like cinema verite so like you see a rat run across the street you see like you see the the garbage and sort of like and you feel the rudeness I don't know sort of what kind of filmmaker could do sort of both of these elements but you'd want the fantasy you'd really want the fantasy at first you want to really feel it right and then you'd right want the reality and you'd want that, it to like, feel really raw like that shocking like transition right yeah. i think yeah i think it'd be hard to like maintain that like where so where did you know what i mean like that feeling of disappointment i think is a really good like gut punch like everything's in these beautiful colors and bright and in her imagination of Paris, let's say, uh, and then you get there and it's grays and blues and, and black, but then it's the rest of the movie all in that, in that like tone. Cause that's like, it would be tough to watch that. I think. I think, well, yeah, I think it would have to sort of um, get really paranoid feeling. So um, who directed. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Um, something like there's like, it. like, yeah, like the camera shots make you feel as a viewer, I guess, like what this what the symptoms of. Yeah, so you feel a yeah. bit chased. You feel a bit um, right. You feel a bit like you're being watched. Right. Uh, you feel trapped, alone. Um, like who did uh, Mr. Robot? Give me one second. But anyway, like. Oh, it sounds like almost like David Lynch, like like that feeling of I get when I watch David Lynch stuff is like that feeling of anxiety and like discomfort, like just like. Yeah. uh, And, and, and you'd want that and you want it to get steadily and steadily worse until they fall apart. And then maybe you end up in the, the hospital that apparently that that this hospital that says it has a relationship with the embassy of Japan and, and the embassy of Japan I, has on their website we don't know what you're talking about when you talk about Paris syndrome so who knows yeah I like yeah the thing like I was like um well one I was thinking like if you named a movie Paris syndrome that either sounds like a zombie movie or it sounds like those 70s like um like spy like French connection or day of yeah. the jackal or something right like, like a the- paranoid thriller so who I was thinking of was uh Samus Mao who did um Mr. Robot he did the first season of Homecoming and okay he, he did a lot of he does a lot of sort of like these angles these paranoid feeling um staircases like he's very into architecture and things like that but also making you feel tense, making you feel paranoid, making you feel wor- worried. So I feel like he could do that sort of, I think he could probably do that, like the Amelie part in the beginning, but he could definitely right. do sort of this like paranoid feeling of being, of being, and you really want the viewer to feel like, oh, she's right. There is something happening there. Right. She is being chased. Something like 
someone is watching her, you want it to feel like it's not it's like real. some yeah, like something's wrong, but you don't really you can't really put your finger on kind of what it is. Like it's just like a feeling of like being tense and like something's off, right? I think that's like the biggest um like comparison to the feeling of what person are supposed to be like is like it's disappointment yeah but it's also just this feeling that the world isn't what you thought it was like there's just something a little bit inverted or about it um yeah like i think and it's like i was like this movie needs to be made by japanese or south korea as south korea would be great because they're like like obviously with parasite winning uh the best oscar a couple years ago like korean cinema is kind of in like Squid Game was very popular on Netflix. Like Korean drama is in in North America right now. Yeah. Um, they need to make this movie because Koreans and Japanese people need to see it so they can get a better, like maybe get a better, correct their impression of what Paris is like. I mean, I mean, I think that would maybe be a good idea, but also I don't know if it, I don't know if it's really that real because I'm sure people, I. Right. I I'm sure people have heard about it by now. I, I think they have some context for it. Right, right. Yeah, I wonder if it's more like if it's like if it's like dying off because they've recognized it. And maybe, I, again, not living in those countries, I don't really know what the cultural sense of Paris is and if it's changed at all. But if that, like the recognition of this thing, obviously still millions of people go there every year. So it's not like it's deterring people from going. Uh, but maybe there's some more of an honesty, like it mentions, you know, thinking every Parisian person look like a model, like maybe they've corrected that interpretation. I'm gonna, I would assume <laughs> that that has happened, but yeah, you're right. Like, um, Bong Jun Ho, who did um, Parasite, like if he, yeah, sort of the angle, he could do it's got like a parasite to... kind of feeling to it, right? That, yeah. like, and parasite, like, I guess, pays homage to. Uh, an earlier Korean movie uh, called The Housemaid or something, right? Where it's like this idea, this like class, um, yeah, like class clash, I guess. I didn't want to say that because it sounds so silly, but class clash. Uh, so maybe you could do like that's that's kind of a feeling, like this clash between tourists uh, and their impressions and, and maybe people who really live there. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, you could add a class element of like, this is my fantasy. Once I get there, it'll be wonderful. Uh, but I'm going to work as an au pair or something like that. That's what a lot of people uh, come to France and work as au pairs. Um, and then when you get there, the reality is, is people are horrible. <laughs> and, right, and not, right. Not, not necessarily because they're horrible, but like maybe you're experiencing racism that you haven't experienced before, snobbery that you haven't yeah, before. Yeah, I think that... And like I said, like these cultures tend to be like, I don't know if it's controversial to say, like East Asian cultures tend to be a lot more homogenous uh, racially and ethnically than, than we see in the West. Uh, and that's definitely part of, I think, the feeling that, you know, the fish out of water isolation feeling you get. Like it's, it's not just language and, and culture. I think that's part of it. Um, so it's sort of like you're imagining it as like, like what I guess the thing is like, is the drama like, getting out of like out of the person return or like recovering like from the specific syndrome or like do they find out some good element of Paris and that's like the like you know what they're chasing like how does the what's the like climax of the movie I feel like the 
climax would have I a good climax, one that um that would make me feel good about watching the film would sort of be something like they they maybe meet someone and fall in love and like yeah that's nice and they sort of like the the things that are stressing them out which is sort of the paranoia uh of the cultural shock of the the not being able to communicate their language skills get better um or they meet someone who speaks their language and they just feel more at home and at ease and and suddenly this it the paranoia sort of eases away like that's that's a nice ending the less nice ending is sort of like a very dark ending where they end up in the hospital and they're like paris syndrome again Um, right right like that like a very cut and dry i like to like the so it mentions one of the one of the symptoms is this thing called derealization which is not something i knew about until it was mentioned it's mentioned in a bo burnham song from his special his like pandemic special inside uh in that funny feeling he he mentions derealization i was like that is a very interesting word that i don't know and like i've spent the last year like kind of intermittently reading about this this concept and uh it's really freaky to think about it's like this it's basically again that like perception uh of it's an alteration in the perception of the external world so you think uh the world's sort of unreal or distorted or false uh and i think you know we see that culturally and manifests itself in a lot of different ways now um but like i like that idea as like a tone for the film right it's like this sort of inverted perception and maybe they get to the hospital and report with paris syndrome and they're like there's no such thing as paris syndrome it's that like uh alice hasn't lived here in 30 years it's like that well to be honest because i i'm reading these studies um I don't think there really is a thing. I, I mean, yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Greg. I don't think it's a real thing. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I'm not a proponent of it. I mean, I think if it's on Wikipedia, it's got to be real, would be my general mindset around the world uh, that we live in. That's my realization. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're talking about dozens of cases reported, many of which have, uh, a, comorbidities in my head but you know what i mean like other prevalent uh mental health issues associated with them uh yeah like cast against over the last 40 years 40 million or more japanese people visited paris just japanese let alone chinese and uh and other east asian people so yeah i i don't know like i don't know i guess it's hard to say or is it like one of those um like hypochondriac things when you know about it are you more likely to to experience it maybe but, i don't know. but then one knowing the, about it might be like a buffer against experiencing it i don't know one of the cases in the study was like a woman in her 30s saw a poster when she was in tokyo and it sort of says paris is waiting for you and she appears to have had some kind of schizoaffective disorder that made her be like oh it's a message for me and then she went to Paris and then she had Paris syndrome so I I can say that that probably was going to be an issue before she and there's just Paris. and just like I think broadly speaking again this is really broadly speaking but a lot of people who travel uh obviously just being able to afford to travel is like kind of a privilege right but not everyone who travels is like super wealthy but even for people who are wealthy like traveling is alone stressful like both mentally and physically right like it's so 
I think you're definitely more susceptible, especially traveling. Like when I flew from here to Japan, it was uh, 14 or 15 hours, like, and a huge time change and stuff. So like, I can imagine that flying into Paris is like, you're like exhausted and you know, you're really disoriented. Um, so maybe you are like a little bit more susceptible to just like what we would be like normal, like physical manifestations of stress. And I mean, also the one thing about being a tourist and going somewhere exciting is that you feel you have to fit so much into your schedule. You're like, I'm yeah. only going to be here for however many days. I have to make it count. So you maybe overdo it when you already yeah. have jet lag, when you already maybe were really stressed out from like the rest of your life before you went somewhere. And then when you went there, you didn't relax. You were like, I have to see yeah power. i have to see everything yeah which it, like I, you're not going to experience like there's no i don't think there's any like punta cana syndrome where you're going to a place specifically to like relax right like if you're traveling to a place like paris or london you're like trying to pack it especially if you're only going to go there once in your life right if you're coming from the other side of the world uh you're trying to pack a lot in while you're still just getting your feet under you in terms of like language and time changes and things like that yeah the, the thing i yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah 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 i was curious now i'm like i'm hopeful i'm gonna get to go to paris this year as a real place I, I mean i have a voucher from iceland air that i have to use at some point uh so i'm gonna be i'm gonna have a test case myself as whether paris syndrome is real or not uh i definitely appreciated that your movie like I can't get off the idea of David Lynch directing it, but something like that. When I, like I said, when I first heard Paris Syndrome and started thinking about a movie, I was like, well, it can't be called Paris Syndrome. It's going to be called something else. But then it's so, I just think you're like, you're setting it up to be like a medical. Okay. Like a zombie or it's like the Manchurian candidate. It's like, sounds like political or something. I don't know. I just think anytime you have like the name of a city in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going with like, I was going to go with like, you know, remember those, uh, they probably still make them, but those like terrible movies that came out when we were younger, again, a lot during the like heady fun times of the late nineties, um, like not another teen movie, not another scary movie. So it'd be called like Paris. I hate you. And it would be like this, like terrible parody <laughs> of Paris Shatem. and it wouldn't even be translated. It would just be called Paris. I hate you, or maybe translated into like Japanese. Uh, and it would just be like this, every because if you read the list of the vignettes in Paris Chatem, like some are very silly like Elijah Wood is in a silent vignette about meeting a vampire and falling in love like uh I don't, and maybe that sounds interesting to you I don't think it really comes off but you could you could mock them pretty easily yeah but I don't know yeah th those movies were generally terrible so I'm glad, I'm glad we didn't go with my idea no I I, okay, maybe we won't call it Paris Syndrome, but I, I can't think of a really great title right now. I want to, I feel like there should be something about, Paris should be somewhere in the title, but maybe not Paris Syndrome, but sort of like my Paris story. Or yeah, or like a trip to Paris. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, Start make it sound gently. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set them up. I haven't seen Amelie. That's a good point. I was because I was looking up French actresses and Audrey Tateau came up and I was thinking about Amelie. Uh, I got to watch that because that again, like to me, that's like more of a, a movie that's about like feeling something than, than stuff happening. The reverse. It's more like a Stendhal syndrome movie, maybe. But 
it's a very okay it's a very beautiful film um and i but it is if if your experience of paris came mainly through watching films like amelie you would be very screwed when you came when you actually went to paris because it is it is very it does it is about loneliness so there's some of that in the film which is good but because of the aesthetics like the beautiful colors the the sort of like kind of magical moments that happen you if you thought life was like that you'd be a little bit in trouble but i think it would be really interesting to have the film we've designed to start like that oh. yeah i because again and that, because that is the other like and maybe the main like midnight in paris right is about like this magical element to paris and my perception of paris now is watching this show uh with my kids uh miraculous it's like about the superhero in paris and paris like aesthetically beautiful and clean and lots of things right um yeah (laughs) no no i would have been disappointed i would have been disappointed to not see uh this other superhero cat noir swinging around the buildings when i got to paris that would have been my disappointment for sure Oh, I'm I'm very sorry. There won't be any of that, but I'll have but, to take up that mantle when I'm there. Yeah, well, what you might see is a bunch of people putting like little quilts down and like stacks of Eiffel Tower keychains, and then when the police come by, them picking it up and running away really fast. Like that is that is a quintessential Parisian experience. Um, also just like being very confused by the Paris like subway system sort of just being like oh which way do I go it's it's there's so many lines it's wonderful like it's actually very useful but it is very confusing um so yeah I I hope you get to go and I hope once you go you tell me that it was really wonderful and I don't know what you were talking about Kira like yeah. they cleaned up all the garbage. Or yeah. they didn't even notice the garbage. Did you I didn't it? I didn't have like a Lynchian or like Kafka S experience. That I mean, that's where my bar is right now, having done this podcast. So I think there's no way I'm gonna be disappointed because I've set the bar low now of what to expect. I'm just gonna be overwhelmed by the garbage and the rudeness when I get there and the <laughs> lack the lack of superheroes. The, the lack of superheroes. I'm very sorry about that one. Very sorry. Or, all right, I think we've pitched a pretty good film here, uh, a Lynchian, and I think too, there's other ways you can go. You can make, you can twist it into a horror. You can twist it into like a zombie thing. You can make it a medical drama. <laughs> maybe, maybe we commit to Paris syndrome really existing, uh, and, and make a medical drama out of it. And, uh, and then have a cure at the end. Yeah, yeah. Somebody finds a cure for Paris syndrome, which is something different than just like don't go to Paris or you know don't have unrealistic expectations of things in your life. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's sort of different ways, but I think I like the sort of tense. Uh, is that a thriller or like just sort of like emotional movie that we we've, we've crafted here? I'm gonna say it's a thriller because I okay. would feel like it's a thriller. Um, yeah, uh, thrillers are good. I haven't. They're talking, Yeah, yeah. I think thrillers are a good genre to to help prop up. That's good. We don't talk about. We haven't talk, had a chance to talk about thrillers. I'm glad we got to talk about a different style of movie and a different style of Wikipedia article on this episode. It's a break from from history, which is good. I just don't know anything about history. 
useful. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you come back for season two, uh, we'll have to talk about maybe Stendhal syndrome or Jerusalem syndrome or the statue of David. Maybe I don't know. Or I could talk. I could talk maybe about a piece of art. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll leave it at that. I'm going to look up the name, the proper name of that art gallery in Florence. That's my homework. Um, thank you, Kira, for joining me for episode, yeah, episode seven. That's, uh, is that a lucky number? Maybe that's, is that a syndrome? Maybe. Thinking seven's lucky and then being disappointed when it's not? Maybe I'll start calling that Kira O'Shea syndrome. Uh, if you are listening... <laughs> If you are listening to the podcast, uh, let us know what you think. There's a question uh, on Spotify uh, after every episode that you can you can answer below the episode, or you can email uh, Wikipedia Movies Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, again, thank you, Kira. Uh, a few more episodes, and then I'm going to take a bit of a break. But uh, yeah, some I think we're going back to a little bit of history for the next few. Uh, so yeah. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned. Uh, thanks, Kira. Bye.